You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to www.3cr.org.au. This episode of Uprise Radio was made in June 2020 on the lands of the Kulin Nations. We pay our respect to elders past and present and acknowledge this land was never ceded. We live and work on stolen land and stand in solidarity with all those resisting the settler colonial project. Mississippi, way down, way down. As far back as I can remember, I either had a plow or a That was Mavis Staples with her song Down in Mississippi. You're listening to Uprise Radio. I'm James and I'm joined by Jackson. Thank you for joining us. Hey, James. How are you doing? So with the murder of George Floyd in the United States, we've seen the world engage in uprising against police and state violence unseen in my lifetime in those countries. And in Australia, many thousands of people have marched at Black Lives Matter protest, highlighting the injustices of Aboriginal and people of colour in Australia. But at the same time, Prime Minister Morrison has fueled a history war, denying the, exist- the existence of slavery in Australia, and the mainstream media have embarked on a campaign to demonise protests. But isn't it great the footy's back? <laughs> yeah, it's been such a strange parallel, you know, calling everyone who went to the protest self-indulgent narcissists and then seven days later they're going to let 10,000 people into stadiums. I mean, two days after the protest here in Melbourne, I was back at school with a 1,000 students, you know, and no one was calling us self-indulgent or narcissists for going to school and lifting that economic burden, you know, of the society and families. But I think that's one of the things that's most inspiring about these protests all over the world is that, you know, this is happening at a time when governments are doing everything in their power to curtail civic liberties and mass action, particularly while this pale horse of COVID-19 rides roughshod all over. But, you know, some issues, they matter more and they need immediate attention. And we've seen such an outpouring of support for Indigenous people and people of colour in Australia and elsewhere, despite the risks. And it's been, that's, I think that's just really inspiring and fantastic. Yeah, I agree. And so, and today on the show, we're going to be talking about pay the rent, which is not, not something that um, has solely emerged out of uh, this campaign at the moment, but something been going for a long time, but it's certainly something that has, again, uh, attracted a fair bit of um, attention and support. So, you know, a little bit later on the show, we're going to be joined by Pay the Rent campaigner, Tess Morrison. Uh, but first, I uh, thought we would just hear a little bit from Gary Foley, courtesy of Juice Media. One of the things that's irritated me most, especially about earnest, well-intentioned, good-hearted, young white people in Melbourne, for 40 years, too many of those people who realise that they want to do something for to assist the Aborigines. The first thing they do is they go running off to the Northern Territory looking for some real Aborigines. And that in itself is a significant problem. And too few of those people ever have the insight to realise what they're doing by thinking like that. You know, what? Are there no Aboriginal people in Victoria? You know, are there no communities in this part of the world where they live in their own backyard that don't have problems that are just the same sort of magnitude as any problems they're going to go and find in the Northern Territory? 
you know? And what is it, this idea of theirs that they have about real Aborigines? Where did they get that? Where did they get these ideas? And why they think like that? There's no attempt to self-reflect before they go racing off buying a VW Combi and heading off in their quest for the, you know, the real black holes. <laughs> and that's a problem because too many of the people who go up to the Northern Territory invariably, you know, they pick up a few words of the local lingo, spend three months there, get what they think is acculturated, and they come back down here then and become their local, you know, in their local community, the experts on Aborigines. You know, and, and then people, white people in their community go to them asking them, you know, and they become the experts. What sort of shit is this? That's not a sign of uh, 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 people who, who genuinely want to be allies in the quest for justice. That's all about people who've got some sort of serious inner psychological problem of their own, who are looking for something for themselves, not for anyone else. And yet, like I say, in 40 years, I've seen hordes of them go. And even in recent years when I taught at Melbourne Uni, I said, that to, I said that to all students I taught, and yet a significant number of those students did precisely what I told them not to do, with no insight whatsoever. Some of them are sitting in this room. <laughs> now, this is what we mean about, if, you, if people are serious about wanting to become involved in the struggle for justice, then the first thing you need to do is not go and talk to any blackfellas at all, really. You need to look in the mirror. You need to look at yourself. You need to think hard and fast about who you are and make sure that you haven't got, you know, psychological sort of identity problems of your own. You invariably will discover that you have. But in the process of sorting out those, those identity problems, you will reach a higher level of consciousness that will make you more better prepared then to come and work in Indigenous communities. So that was Gary Foley speaking at a 2010 event at the Mesa Gym in Fitzroy. And there's a couple of other interviews from that um, event, and I think you can find them on the Decolonizing Solidarity website, um, which is also uh, a great resource and book for people that are wanting to engage in working um, with Aboriginal people and on Aboriginal issues. Mm. Yeah, it was definitely through the same group, the Decolon Decolonising Solidarity, um, Claire Land's book that I first heard about Pay the Rent and the Black GST, uh, Genocide, Sovereignty and Treaty. And I heard, you know, at an event about the, um, uh, the fire in Kings Gardens back in 2006, uh, in Kings Domain, sorry, uh, in 2006 during the, Commonwealth Games, um, you know, they put a lot of those ideas in, into the public eye. And I heard a, a retrospective about that. But I was reminded again after the rally last Saturday, I was coming home, you know, filled with all this energy. And I said to my partner, you know, like, you know, we've got to do more. I can't just be going to a rally. And she said, well, first off, you could, you know, donate a percentage of your, of your wage every, every month, you know, to this, um, to pay the rent. And you know, I had a look into it. And I'm, I'm happy to say I just signed up this morning. It's topical. Thing to you know, think about in this you know this capitalist society that we live in, where money talks and it's a real focus of everything that we do and the way we frame everything. But you know, there's two great causes today on the show, which I'll tell you, James. Also, the 20th episode of Uprise Radio, so we can give ourselves a pat on the back for that. But there's pay the rent. I recommend everyone after we hear from Jess today, get out and do it. But also, uh, 3CR. You know, it's a tough time at the moment for media organisations, and 3CR 
would normally be having their radiothon, you know, obviously fundraisers and everything can't happen. So we've got a station drive going on. Just jump on the 3CR website, you'll find all the details. And, you know, just, you know, any amount of money is really going to help us stay on the air. It's all volunteer effort that runs it. A few, uh, you know, key staff that, you know, do a power of work. But the vast majority of people are volunteers and, you know, those donations keep us on air uh, and making these stories. So I do implore all listeners to dig deep. And yeah. as I said, yeah, jump on the website. There's, it's really easy to uh, send a few dollars. And well, I think um, we're just going to play a short clip uh, about pay the rent and then we'll be um, joined by Jess. Reckoning with our history is a white settler responsibility. My pop's been saying pay the rent since I was a little kid. If we wanted to do this, we could afford to do it. My name is Luke Curry Richardson. I'm a descendant of the Cookie LNG and Jabokai people, Mananjali people of Southeast Queensland and Bachelor mob from Fraser Island, and also the Miriam people in the Torres Strait. Eight weeks ago, I was asked to be a part of a documentary about reparations. In other words, paying the rent to Indigenous Australians. Eight weeks ago, I had no idea what reparations even meant, despite the fact that some of my mob have been calling for the rent to be paid for decades. But I do know about rent. I'm an artist and a storyteller, and I rent a one-bedroom apartment in Darlinghurst, Sydney. I don't own my home yet, but I'd like to one day. And if I did buy in Sydney, it'd be on Gadigal land. Yet not a single cent will go to Gadigal mob. Traditional owners don't get to profit much from their land. It was taken without payment, but what if we all had to pay to live on Gadigal, Noongar, Yorta Yorta or Murray land? I'm willing to pay the rent. Are you? There's an intro from, um, actually from a Buzz, Buzzfeed video, which uh, we sent around on um, our Facebook page yesterday. So for those that are wanting to find out a bit more and, and hear some different people's thoughts across the country uh, about the Pay the Rent campaign. But we are lucky to be joined by Jess, who's um, been a campaigner with Pay the Rent now for a little while. And Jess, maybe if you can start by telling us a little bit about the history of Pay the Rent and you know how that kind of campaign has come about. Yeah, for sure. So Pay the Rent is not new. It's a concept that's been around for decades and Uncle Robbie can talk a lot about it. it um, he says it's the only policy that's made by Aboriginal people for Aboriginal people that had universal buy-in. So that's pretty significant. And so the idea is that we live on stolen land and um, therefore until, until we've got a proper treaty process to make that right, um, then we need to pay rent for being on the land. So back in the 70s and 80s, there were lots of, of schemes around the country and you can see some of them on our website with some great historical documents um, where mostly small collectives of, group, of people decided they wanted to pay the rent. And, and back then there was significant money that helped fund some of the key services. Um, and then, the, so the ideas kind of had a bit of, of um, life back then and has had different different permutations around and there's a crew in Queensland who are doing one model of it at the moment and you know I've been to lots of activist events where the concept of paying the rent's been around so we make sure that some of the money from the event goes back to sovereign initiatives. Um, my, my story was that I took a really unexpected step of buying a house a few years ago and, um, and decided well actually you know I needed to pay something 
to recognise that I'd just bought stolen land without the consent of the, the people there. And I started a process of kind of thinking and talking about what would work. And that's that connect, connected to others like Claire Land and, and a, about a dozen of us met for like over a year to start to think about the, the tricky questions around paying the rent um, and how one might <clears throat> let go of your own white privilege and how you'd, how you'd even start to do this and who you'd pay and how you'd pay it and can we let go um, as you don't get to choose who your landlord is <laughs> and what they do with their money, how do we make sure we let go of that privilege? And it was a really difficult process and we ended up talking with Lydia Thorpe who suggested that we form a new organisation, which, look, we're still doing as we speak. Um, so the Pay the Rent Scheme, is, as we're calling ourselves, Pay the Rent Grassroots Collective here in Victoria, has got an administrative arm um, of allies um, and then who who do the work for the sovereign body and the sovereign body are the people that make all the all the decisions and the role of the administrative arm is to do what they they ask um, it's a and and then above that the sovereign body is an elders council um, which is still in formation to to make sure that people who who know the deeply the idea of hold uh, pay the rent um, can keep holding this and other schemes that might might um, establish themselves. So an elders council can make sure that we're all on track. Um, so um, yeah, so there's nine people involved in the sovereign body here in Victoria, which is really excited. Just really grounded activists um, and people who understand what sovereign initiatives are going to look like. And so the, the model we've set up is is come from Uncle Robbie put it together, and now where you know he says, look at everything's a model in in um, in formation, and this certainly is. We're learning by doing together as we're having a crack at and you pay the rent. So we launched on Invasion Day or the week of Invasion Day, um, and what's been amazing is in the last two weeks, um, literally thousands of people. Um, have used this particular moment to go, right, I, I need to put my money where my mouth is and start paying the rent. And is there a space within that for people? Uh, you know, I think that for some people, uh, they might want to do more than, than pay the rent or, you know, th that might not be something they can afford to do at this time. Is there a way that they can be involved in the structure that you've outlined there? Is, are there other ways that they can, um, you know, play a part in that or is it more about them trying to encourage, you know, other people to be involved in it or to be involved in um, other solidarity campaigns? Yeah, yeah. So the, I guess there's two things part of a part of pay the rent um, is that you give 1% of your income or equivalent and I'd like to talk about that. But the second part of it is to go and we want to be part of decolonisation and we want to be part of um, uh, making a better, a better world and uh, committing to acts like that lead towards treaty and, and all sorts of other allyship kind of stuff. So in terms of the 1% of income or equivalent, we're still working out how the equivalent would work, um, but there's an acupuncturist who has offered their services um, to Indigenous elders. And so that's one example of how things are happening. Um, and other people, are, there's somebody who's going to help us with our back-end systems as their rent payment. So we really, you know, encourage people to make contact with us. We're an emerging model. Uh, we'd love to have all sorts of creative ways of people paying the rent. And we'll try and work out how we, how we do that. Um, and, yeah, but that would be really exciting.
if people were able to. And certainly spreading the word um, is important too. Is there a separate structure, say, for uh, organisations and, you know, they're, they're working on stolen land as well? Um, you know, what the big organisations, corporations and things like that, because, you know, obviously if they're paying 1% of what they earn, that could, um, you know, inject some serious funds into their campaign and into um, Aboriginal people and communities as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that hasn't come yet. But I think it is coming and I feel like we are a grassroots movement. It's people every day on the ground who are saying, I want to pay the rent. I want to do something practical. I want to, I'd like, I'd like Australia to live under a treaty with its Indigenous mm -hmm. people, but we're not going to wait from that. I want to do something practical right now. And so that's been launched and is really exciting. What has been also amazing in the last few weeks is watching artists and businesses want to pay the rent. So there's been lots of different organisations and uh, watching Instagram's a fascinating space for this. So there's all sorts of kind of emerging business models and lots of those people are paying the rent. So I feel like that's the new, the new level that's come up. The grassroots has inspired people to think about it in their small businesses. And then I think as we grow as a movement, it will feel like a, there's a bigger space or a safer space for big organisations to do it. Because certainly, I mean, there's there's some, you know, lots of big organisations and companies that pride themselves on being ethical. So the more that we can inspire this thinking of paying the rent, then, you know, amazing, would be amazing to see what could happen if big organisations got on board too. So it sounds like there's a really big, like, uptake at the moment, Jess. As you said, you've got thousands of new people, you know, stepping up and wanting to, to pay the rent. Often when, you know, in broader discussions about improving the lives of, you know, Aboriginal Australians, we hear a lot about autonomy and self-governance. And I wonder uh, how pay the rent fits into that model. Like it sounds like a, an interesting collaboration between white comrades and Indigenous Australians. But in what ways does pay the rent kind of put um, control uh, directly into the hands of Indigenous people? Yeah, so it's absolutely a sovereignty model. Um, so we, we <clears throat> those of us who are on the administrative arm, that's our only job to do administration. Um, before I did this interview today, there was a conversation with the sovereign body. Is this an interview that we want to do? If so, who wants to do it? And none of the sovereign body had capacity, so they asked me to do it. So it's very clearly trying to practice sovereignty and there is processes of decolonization because as white people we're so used to making the decisions um, so all the decisions about how the money is spent um, all the decisions about how pay the rent should be structured all that stuff actually is run by the sovereigns um, so and and the reason that we're involved in as an administration arm is just to make sure that you know, we're offering to do some of the work because um, the more money that's coming in, the more it takes just to administer it and to organise the mailing list and to do all those sorts of things. So I would say more than a collaboration, I mean, and it is a collaboration, but it, it is, I think we're practising the decolonisation process and practising the sovereignty process. Um, and so the sovereign body will be making decisions about where money goes and, you know, how we're going to be formally structured and all those sorts of things where they're also working out what would it mean for us to have our own model of organisation. And what, what is the, the focus here in Victoria from the sovereign body? Like what, 
you know, with the money coming in, what are, what are kind of the early priorities that you're hearing from the sovereign body about where that money goes? Yeah, yeah. And even the question's an interesting question. And we've done lots of internal wrestling about um, we're absolutely accountable to mob. And if any Aboriginal person wants to know where any of the money's gone, then the sovereign body are absolutely clear that that mob can know. But the question is, well, how much should we know about where the money's going? Um, and it's, it's, it's an interesting conversation, particularly mm, this year where we've had all the drama with the bushfire relief money and where mm. that goes, that it is reasonable to make sure, and especially for those who are conscious allies, we don't want to be part of screwing it up again, mm. you know, of giving money to one family that's divisive to the community. And so I think it's responsible for allies to make sure that this isn't a program that's going to replicate some of those old mistakes. Having said that, having said that, I mean, clearly black deaths in custody is a huge issue at the moment and it has been for, for decades. It's, it's um, might be new for many of our awareness, but it's certainly not new in terms of experiences of Aboriginal people. Um, it's been a shocking fortnight in Indigenous communities in Victoria where there have been four suicides. So the sovereign body is really acutely aware about that and wondering what, what can be done in that space. Um, the work of GEMA, Grandmothers Against Removals, is really important and thinking about the issue of kids being removed from families. Um, and then there's kind of survival stuff like supporting funerals and just kind of you know the effects of colonization. So there's kind of a couple of a couple of different uh, um, parts of the work. Some of it is um, trying to dismantle, you know, the effects of colonization, but some of it's also just kind of, you know, solving the wounds of of those who are under the under the you know wheels of oppression. It's I wonder, Jess, can you go ahead, Jack. Can you tell us a bit about uh, what the difference is between donating and paying the rent? Yeah. So. Now, the two reasons it's really important that we um, are not taking donations. The first is the very important sovereignty question that we are not giving as charity. This is not something we're doing as a good deed or as a uh, as something to give to the to the poor, disadvantaged people. But actually, recognizing that for many of us. Um, who are settlers on this land. We've benefited from the spoils of colonisation and we live on stolen land and therefore the right thing to do is to pay rent for living on that land. So the first question is a sovereignty question in terms of um, this is one way we can actually practically acknowledge that these are, the, these are, you know, always has been, always will be Aboriginal land and therefore we're going to pay rent. And the second is, you know, is the colonial systems which say that only very specific people are allowed to ask for donations and we are not a registered charity and we won't become, you know, a charity. Um, so therefore we're not taking donations. Yeah, it raises an interesting point talking about like the, the state granting you charity status or, you know, the way that kind of plays into these colonial structures. And I'm interested in some of the language, like as a socialist, I'm a bit uncomfortable with the language of, of landlords and rent and, and tenants mm. and I remember Robbie talking about in the past the way like the, the struggle for land rights and land justice got kind of morphed into native title and you know bound mm. up in all this legalese and didn't quite deliver some of the radical outcomes or the radical aims that it may have had mm. initially and mm. I'm wondering how you guys are actively kind of striking that balance between 
getting wide recognition and, and lots of people to want to take this step and not becoming, you know, the risk of co-option into those capitalist and colonial systems of thought that kind of, you know, even that earlier question about where does the money go? It's a great answer. Like why, why do I have a right to know where the money goes? Mm. It's not really about mm. me, but mm. yeah, it's mm -hmm. such a, it is such an interesting balance that you're striking there. Well, and I think it'll be a wrestle and, you know, I'm sure Uncle Robbie will let us know if we get it wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and the other elders who've, who've held this kind of idea, but I think, I think it will be an ongoing tension. Um, and, and at what point, um, does it just become an alternative charity to Aboriginal people? And it, it would be tragic if this became a, a kind of charity movement rather than a justice sovereignty movement. Um, so paying the rent is it, like, it's almost like <clears throat> uh, the income generated is secondary. The primary thing is that people are, are doing that sovereignty acknowledgement. Um, but I, I really like the deconstructing of the idea of the landlord kind of relationship because in a sense it's normally <clears throat> the colonisers that are the landlords um, so maybe there's a bit of kind of culture jamming in terms of that that language to be done you know what if we did acknowledge that it wasn't Aboriginal people in insecure housing renting off you know private landlords but actually we were the ones who were in a precarious situation as allies because we yet don't have any formal authority to be living on stolen land. Mm. Yes. We're coming towards the end of the show by just letting people know, you know, listening to Uprise Radio and we're talking about pay the rent. Um, and a couple more things I just thought I would mention uh, before we speak to Jess again is that if people want to find out, um, they can go to the website, just just type in pay the rent and it'll come up um, with the webpage and you can um, pretty easily fill in your details there about how you can sign up to pay the rent. And there's quite a lot of information there um, speaking more about the kind of things that Jess is saying and history of the of the uh, campaign and things there. Um, but also I think that you mentioned before about um, decolonizing solidarity and I think that I know that I mentioned earlier that a few of us are um, starting up another kind of reading group around that mm. but other people can easily start up their own as well that if you want to head to the decolonizing solidarity website and there are instructions there on how you can start your own group and you know potentially your own kind of journey there of uh, discovery of what you can do you know I guess in more of a deeper kind of way mm. but Jess I wanted to talk um, we saw each other briefly at the um, protest a week or so ago and I think that you know, you, you were talking about the kind of excitement of, of the moment of, of the day. And I think, you know, maybe not just the day, but, you know, what we're experiencing at the moment of uprisings against, of people of colour, of Indigenous people, mm. of people saying that they've had enough of uh, police violence, state violence. And it's, it's, I guess, you know, it's lit a fuse of rebellion around the world. Maybe you could talk a bit about, you know, what, what you think about this moment and, and how we can kind of maximise that. Yeah, what feels different for me about this moment is a whole lot of, I mean, there, there were some amazing things about the demo last week um, in terms of coalitions of people of colour. And I, at the end of the march, 
I had some um, African Australians behind me who were just ecstatic at hearing um, some really amazing analysis of um, African Australians connecting their experiences with Indigenous people and talking about that decolonisation process and also the shared experience of racism. <clears throat> so that was amazing about kind of, of, of like I actually have never seen so many people of colour on a stage um, or diverse people of colour in a rally. Like it actually felt like people were connecting the strands of racism and oppression um, in really powerful ways. Um, in terms of pay the rent, what I was most stoked about, and look, I had just spent three and a half hours doing a live stream, which was had its own version of exhaustedness. Um, is just watching everybody, and that all came through those the Facebook live stream, but it also has come through Instagram conversations, and it's also um, come with people actually doing the thing, like signing up to pay the rent. Like people are actually in this moment saying, what can I do next? What is my next step? Um, what What is it that I can do to decolonise my thinking, decolonise my doing, um, that actually it feels like people are taking it personally and looking for what they can do and how they can be part of, of changing systems. Um, so ag again, like just, you know, and we're very used to on the left being in our own echo chambers and listening to each other, but like all the people who are tagging us on Instagram, all the wellness coaches or the crazy kind of um, experimental musicians and all these people who are giving what appear to be very long posts about what this them in terms of a penny dropping, in terms of them benefiting from colonisation, about them benefiting from the processes um, of white supremacy. Like, people are actually getting it. So that's what makes me feel encouraged. I feel like, you know, somebody talked about this being the last gasps of white supremacy. Um, and and maybe, maybe, you know, we can be as bold as thinking that might be possible. It's a really inspiring note for us to finish on, I think, to think about, you know, how we can maximise this moment. And I think as, um, you know, white comrades trying to wrestle with our own existence on stolen land, I think this is a really important discussion. And I think it's really important that people head to paytherent.net.au. Um, thanks a lot, Jess, for joining us. Thanks, fellas. Fascinating. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.